Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss the worst movies of all time. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I'm Anthony. And this is James, and today we're doing the worst movies of all time. This is like piggybacking on our, our films to see before you die, and this is just going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we keep getting requests from people to say, people always ask us, what's the worst movie? What do you think are the, the worst movies ever made? And it's something that is always asked by our fans in the comments and direct messages. So we were like, you know what? Let's just do an episode and written and talk about the movies that we think are the worst. And we've always talked about on the show how we don't like to talk bad about movies. We like to like uplift movies and talk positively, but it, because no one sets out to make a bad movie, but I think we're just going to change the tune a little bit, have a little fun with this because there are some movies out there that I don't know how they got made. I don't know what anyone was thinking during the production. And it's just like some of these are ridiculously bad. I think that as soon as I hear movies being released every year, so it's kind of funny yeah. to, to even bring that up. But yeah, we're not going to be like, don't think of us as being mean. We're just having a little fun. We're just yeah. going to have a good time. We all think about this stuff. And like you said, we try not to be too cynical with film. But, you know, sometimes it's just a lot of fun to just watch terrible movies to laugh at them. Yeah. And we're going to do that. And Yeah, this is a special episode. We're just going to tear them apart. Yeah, but we're, I also want to make a clear distinction that like movies like Sharknado, I'm, we're not going to put on this list because that's a freaking movie about sharks in a tornado. So that doesn't really count it as made movies. To be bad. Yeah, movies that people thought would actually be good. So that's th what this list is. And some of these, the filmmakers, I think, thought they, they thought were, they thought they were going to be great. And the shocking thing about it is you'll hear a lot of big names, you'll hear a lot of big movies, and you also, there's a lot of big box offices for some of these movies. Yeah, there's some pretty big numbers. Some, I think a couple of them broke 100 million or even came close to 100 yeah, million. for sure. So, I mean, I was surprised when I looked at some of these because when we talk about each movie, we're also going to go over their Rotten Tomatoes score, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score, their Metacritic score, the IMDb rating, and then the audience IMDb rating. I think that the... Metacritic is the most accurate uh, critic review compilation because Rotten Tomatoes, it's out of 100%, but the number itself is it's the number of, of fresh ratings compared to the number of negative ratings. So it's not like an accurate depiction because something can be 59%, but then it's rotten. Where yeah. I, I disagree with that because that means obviously the majority says it's, it's a good movie. So that doesn't really make sense. So I think Metacritic is literally out of 100. What's the average score that critics give, critics give it? And the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, that's also biased because, you know, people who love a movie that is trash, like they'll bump it up. But yeah. same thing vice versa. And they try to destroy movies. Yeah, so yeah. maybe like somewhere in the middle between the audience score and critic score is what an actual movie's Rotten Tomatoes score would be. Yeah, but I just think Metacritic is solid. And also IMDb user is generally pretty general consensus because they get so many reviews. You know, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes is out of 100 or 200 reviews at the most, whereas IMDb, you know, Shawshank Redemption has the highest rating after like 3 million user reviews. So I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, universally loved. Yeah. But we're going to talk about some universally despised films <laughs> and universally loved movies to watch because they're so bad. Mm -hmm. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com as well as share us with your friends and family. Patrons get perks like personalized messages, personalized videos. You get to see our podcast schedules for upcoming episodes. Top-tier patrons get a monthly shout-out on the podcast, which will be happening on this episode. So top-tier patrons, stay tuned for the full episode to hear your name called out. And you also have exclusive access to bonus episodes on Patreon. All patrons have access, so even the $2, $5, $10 tier have access to the bonus episodes. 
super affordable. Head on over to our website, RaidersOfTheLostPodcast.com, to check out all of our sources of content, our merch, our movie posters, as well as becoming a patron there. Make sure to follow wherever you're listening, hit the notification bell, subscribe on YouTube, and smash that like button. And we're going to open up with The Room, which was released in 2003. And this is the iconic film that Tommy Wiseau made, and they made the movie The Disaster Artist based off this. But I remember, I want to say like 10 years ago, at least, like when you were like getting into film and I wasn't that into it yet, you you tried to show me this movie or like... I, and, I think I was like, what the hell are you watching? You're like, you don't get it, man. It's like a joke. I'm like, this is like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. You're like, you just, you just don't understand what you it understand, is. You understand, man. And then I, I watched it. You showed me it like two years ago because I remember hearing about it and the cult status of it, like right before the disaster hours came out. And it blew my mind away how bad and how great it was at the same time. Yeah, they did a great job in the disaster hours t- telling the story because it's the disaster hours is based off the book of uh, Mark. Uh, the guy who played Mark, his he wrote the book, so I mean he he knows the story better than anyone. And what's so what the, I, the what's so crazy about the room is that Tommy Wiseau pulled it off, and he was able to pull it off because he had millions of dollars that no one really knew how he had. He like owned buildings, so he had he was I think he was born with money. His parents left him money or something, and he just his biggest dream was to be an actor. Uh, his biggest uh, goal was to be like James Dean was his idol, and he wanted to be the next James Dean. And the thing with Tommy Wiseau is. He doesn't have any talent, unfortunately. That's, I mean, I'm not being mean. He doesn't have a talent. He's not a good actor, clearly not a good director, but he has, ironically, more drive and will and motivation than probably anyone other than, like, Tom Brady or something. Maybe, because yeah, to the, an extent, because I feel like he didn't he didn't even write a second draft of the this, this script. No, but the belief in himself yeah. is what's so crazy, because the thing is, he wrote that he made this movie after he saw The Talented Mr. Ripley, and he said, I want to make a movie like that. So that was like so he made this. So he made this. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is ridiculous because it looks like like a student film yeah. with a budget kind of because like we said he has a this movie had a 6 million dollar budget and we have no idea where the money came from and Tommy funded the whole thing. He actually probably made his money back and more. It had a 5 million dollar box office and I'm sure he's made a lot more off it because of the cult status that it's had. People the, people love it. The reason why it got box office was because he bought billboards in LA. And it, it was just a photo of him. It's like the poster. And it said it had his his phone number. Yeah. And it, and so people were like, "What the hell is this?" And he 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 paid for these um, billboards for like months and months. And also, in order to qualify for the Academy Awards, a movie needs to be screened in movie theaters for at least two weeks. And so he actually paid for the movie to be screened in theaters for two weeks himself out of his own pocket because no one was pay- going to buy, buy tickets for it at first, but he wanted to qualify for the Oscars. That's how like insane his belief in himself is that he thought that this was an Oscar caliber movie. And I love the movie poster because it's just like an uncomfortable close-up shot of him like looking off camera and it's like <laughs> green and like it's what is this movie? Yeah. And then oh, hi Mark. It's just it's just really uncomfortable to watch at points. Like the the sexual situations are really odd. There's so and, many sex scenes. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's pretty crazy. messed up. He's like shredded for no reason yeah, too yeah. and then like it's it's just a weird movie to watch. The dialogue is atrocious, but it's it's so fun. Yeah, it really to is. To laugh at. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to go over the scores we have. So Rotten Tomatoes gave it 23%, but the audience gave it 47%. Metacritic gave it a 9 out of 100. IMDb user rating has a 3.7. And like you said, it has a budget of 6 mil and made 5 million. Yeah, so this is the best worst movie of all time. And it's number one. Yeah, it just has some of the most ridiculous scenes. Like, they're always, like, throwing the football around. Yeah. And the other actors, they're clearly, like, 
had no idea what was really happening in the scenes. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. And I did not do it. I did not hit her. I did not. <laughs> it's crazy. But definitely check it out. And then if you watch this movie, watch The Disaster Artist after it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great double feature. All right, let's move on to our next one, Battlefield Earth, which came out in 2000. And if, if anyone hasn't seen this, this was uh, John Travolta's passion project he always wanted to make. Um, it's kind of tells a story of the origins of Scientology. Um, and this movie, it's set in the year 3000 AD, and Earth has lost to the alien race of Cyclos, and human humans are enslaved by these giant aliens. And the aliens, they're human, they look like humans as well, but they're like 10 feet tall. Yeah. And this cast is actually good. It's got Forrest Whitaker in it, Barry Peppers in it, John Travolta. It's just, it's a crazy, ridiculous movie. You wouldn't believe it, but Forrest Whitaker is also a Scientologist. I'm sure Barry Pepper is. I'm sure that yeah. was one of the requirements to be in this film. Yeah. And this movie, Rotten Tomatoes, 3%, 12% audience score, Metacritic 9, IMDb 2.5. It made $29 million on a massive budget of $73 million for 2000. That's a lot of money. And this movie, it's straight trash. It's hot garbage. It's based on the book by L. Ron Hubbard, who is the founder of Scientology. So I, it's... I remember this is like something that you showed me again, like another like you we gotta watch this cult classic, like horrible movie that we've never seen before, and it's it's wild. The special effects are horrible. For all the money that it had, I don't know where the money went because the CGI is terrible. It I went to the dreadlocks. Yeah, the dreadlocks. I know it's two. I know it's two thousand, but still, movies were doing pretty good with CGI, but it's atrocious in this movie. The story is just ridiculous. Travolta is just out of his mind in this movie. Like it doesn't make any sense. The storyline is just ridiculous. Barry Pepper. I know he tried real hard, but I I think that this movie ruined his career because he did Saving Private Ryan, and then this, and I'm sure when this bombed and became so um, hated, I'm sure no one wanted to cast him in their movies anymore. Yeah, a lot of careers were ruined. On Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With movies from this list, yeah. And I'm sure Forrest Whitaker kept working. Oh, he's, he's still yeah. a great actor. No, he's, yeah. I think he, he kind of slowed down for a little bit after this yeah. movie. And I mean, Travolta's actually on this list like three or four times. But that, <laughs> but that guy, he needs to pay for airplanes and hangars. So he does all sorts of movies. So he makes a lot of trash movies as well as great movies. Yeah, but it's just, it's poorly directed. Uh, and everything about it, there's nothing, there's like no good qualities about this movie in any way, shape, or form. That's what's so weird. It's it's like, it's fun to laugh at, but then also it's difficult to watch sometimes. It's not as enjoyable of an experience as The Room because there's so much money and talent in terms of like the production put into it. But it's just, everything is just, every direction they went was just haywire. So it's difficult to watch. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Next up, we have The Happening, which is... Written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It's about a science teacher played by Maki Mack, and his wife and young girl struggle to survive a plague that causes those infect infected to commit suicide. Um, so I know a lot of people love M. Night Shyamalan's movie, The Happening. We're not big fans of it, and we've talked about before. This movie, the script is terrible, and, and I'm just going to flat out say it. And they, they advertised it like it was going to be like this epic film, like 
M. Night Shyamalan's first rated R, R movie. Film. It had a good trailer. The trailer is legit yeah. because, yeah. you know, like you always say, those high concept ideas, like what is going on? The, the mystery of this movie is what brought in a box office of $163 million on a budget of 48 And also just his name brand. Yeah. He had, a, yeah. he had a brand by this point. And even if you didn't like The Village, even if you didn't like Science, his movies were very successful and a lot of people did like them. And the thing with The Happening, did you hear about the bees, the honeybees? The Happening, I understand it has like good intentions in terms of he's talking about climate change and all this and stuff. And he's it's all a metaphor. But the thing is, the plot is ridiculous. The concept is absurd and, and most of the time it doesn't make any sense like how how are plants communicating like this how are they determining who they're killing and who they're not killing and uh, it just ends at the end it's just they just stop for some reason and and the rules don't we don't even know what the rules are because first they're killing people in cities metropolitan areas and then they're killing people out in the open and then they just don't kill people at all it doesn't make any sense whatsoever and it's like communicating with the wind yeah is the wind like working with the trees and in the stuff? grass and the blades of grass because yeah. how is how is the this chemical getting into cities at yeah. like a massive rate and it doesn't make any sense how like different plants would all make the same chemical like how did that happen <laughs> it's it's you know high concept again it's yeah. it's ridiculous the acting is so bad and it's not that there aren't great actors like mark's a great actor zoe's a good actor john Guzamos is in this so it's not like there wasn't talented people working on it but it seems like it, it feels like they did one take on everything it's just the acting is t it's, it's so bad it's unbearable to watch at times and m night his dialogue has never been very good Sometimes, even in good movies of his, the dialogue is like kind of iffy. It feels very signs, especially. Yeah. yeah, it's just this dialogue sounds very immature. But you know, he he often has great actors, so they can pull it off. You know, like Mel Gibson was a great actor; he could pull off the dialogue in that movie in Joaquin too. But I've always said with I'm Knight, he's a very talented director. He's a very very good director. He needs a co-writer. If he had a co-writer for his scripts, I think his movies would be a lot better because. He has a knack for interesting concepts and get, grabbing your attention with what the idea of the movie is, but then it just goes off the rails. I think he needs, if he had a co-writer that can like rein in his craziness, rein in like the immaturity of the themes and dialogue, and kind of keep him on a, a great, a good, a narrow path. I think that he would benefit greatly from that, but yeah, he just doesn't yeah. have. He doesn't. He writes his own stuff. A lot of the dialogue is like amateurish for someone who's made like ten movies. You but know? also, he his first few movies were so successful, especially Sixth Sense. After that, he had so much power in terms of getting his movies made because first of all, they were making bank, so studios wanted to make his movies because they would always make a ton of money and they were cheaply made. And what happened was, whenever he had a new script, he would send it to um, studios. In these movie studios, they would have like. To, to read the script in a room for like two hours is all they like a window and they would have to decide yes or no are we going to make this movie so and all so i think everyone was just kind of afraid to give opinions on his work sounds like chrissy nolan yeah but he's great yeah <laughs> what, are, what are the scores for this so the shine i mean the happening <laughs> rotten tomatoes 17 percent tomatoes <laughs> critics audience score 24 percent metacritic so 34 imdb is a five that metacritic is pretty high yeah 34, 34 is pretty high I, I think a lot of people just like 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 this film which, they like the theme yeah but again m night is hit or miss and this is a miss but i'm excited for old that looks pretty cool yeah did you hear about the bees? Man, it's so bad. Let's talk. You have a perfect face. Don't worry. You're going to be beautiful forever. He says that to like a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. It's so <laughs> weird. <laughs>
All right, next up we have Speed 2 Cruise Control, which oh came out God. in 1997. And after you see this movie, you understand why Keanu Reeves passed on it. Because first they started off with a bus in the in the first film, and now it's a, a cruise ship crashing into a shore. <laughs> but first it's just a cruise ship on in the ocean. Like, what's so thrilling about that? It's, it's pretty wild because... I think this shows the power of Keanu and star power and what a great movie can do for a sequel. Even though the star's not in it, this movie made $160 million. Yeah. How? Sandra's in it. Yeah, Sandra's in it, but budget of $164 million, which is insane. So it it almost broke even, obviously. No, that didn't that, that broke. That didn't come close. No, no, I, I'm not saying just those two numbers because if you let me continue, I was going to say that that doesn't factor in advertising and other expenses. But it's it's it made way more money than I would ever imagine. And based off the name, I would say pretty much based off the name and Keanu, they were we were all expecting speed, and this fell short so bad of the predecessor. The dialogue is laughable, horrible characters, and like. Sandra Bullock just finds another hero cop. Like what? In a crazy situation. This is like happened to her every year. It's 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 like the idea of it happening once is like okay, but then again, and and the fact like I love Willem Dafoe, but this movie's so bad. He plays the villain, and he's fun. He's funny. He's like a lunatic in this movie, but also it's like it's kind of like how did th- I think he I think he was like Sandra Bullock's ex boyfriend in the movie, something like that. It's like why would she date all these crazy guys? I don't know, like, man. All these action junkies, and then. Willem Dafoe's character is, like, crazy. Like, how, why would she ever date him? It doesn't make any sense. Like, what's Speed 3 going to be? Like, Sandra Bullock falls in love with a guy who's going to space and, like, has to stop, like, a, a rocket? Like, it's crazy. That actually sounds pretty good. That sounds better than Speed 2. <laughs> Just the title itself, Speed 2, Cruise Control. That sounds terrible. Cruise Control is not going... Well, I mean, Speed 3 is going to be wave-serving. <laughs> Man, what a, what a trash movie. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 4%. Critic, 16% audience score. Metacritic, 23%. And IMDb is 3.9. And the CGI is horrible, especially the climax with the plane. Uh, he's on, like, the, uh, the the hangar plane. It's just so bad. Um, I don't know how they got away with it, like, how it looks so bad for all the money they had once again. Um, but, I mean, this is what happens when, like, a, it's got a poor director and just producers who just want to make money. This is what happens. And then the next film is about producers who just want to make money. Oh, yeah. So why not you? Okay, I will. Did I do the last one? I did. Oh, sorry. The next movie is <laughs> about producers who want to make money. Batman and Robin, which was released in 1997. And Batman and Robin try to keep their relationship together as they must stop Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy from freezing Gotham City. What a What is going on? This movie the is it's so bad. I don't, I don't know why we've made some funny clips about this movie and people defend it, but... Everything about it is, is they terrible. It. Wow. Everything about it is terrible, and I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Besides, let's make as much money as we can, and because it's a Batman movie, it's a commodity. Everyone loves it. Box office two hundred thirty-eight million on a budget of one hundred twenty-five million, and I'm sure they made a ton off the toys, which is what their main purpose was. This is this movie is the reason why Warner Brothers didn't touch Batman for like a while until Chris Nolan took over, and why I think this movie is why they liked his version. And his vision for what he had in mind for Bruce Wayne and Batman in Gotham City. I think that it's a response to this movie. And the thing with this movie is the reason why it is the way it is is because Warner Brothers was motivated just on their toys. He, they were des- they they were designing the characters and the cars and the vehicles as toys. And then the f- shoemaker was helping with that, and they were like, "Okay, this is what the costumes are going to look like because it's what the toys look like." They were, this whole movie is just a commercial to sell. Um, Batman toys and that's all it was and that's why it's so bad because their motivations was was just for profit not about telling a good story not about actually doing justice to the characters that so many people love 
All they wanted was that money, kid, and that's why it's so shit. And they made money, but it's at what expense? I mean, they lost a lot of fans, I'm sure, for the franchise, and thank God Chris Nolan came in and revitalized Batman. And also, like, killed studios from wanting to make superhero movies for a while. Movies like this are the reason why. And, like, this got just, like, everyone knows about the bat nipples, but also, like, there's this scene where Batman pulls out his bat master card. It's like, what the hell is going on? This is ridiculous. Clooney, man. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is the only good thing about this movie because as bad as the character characterization of Mr. Freeze is, he's actually super good at acting in this. I think this is his best performance. He's super expressive. He he just put it all into it. He's got so much energy. And it showed his acting chops. Like, compare this to Conan. His acting is, like, through the roof in terms of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, yeah. I, I love Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. That's just iconic. Yeah, yeah. That's maybe the only good part of the, about the movie besides Arnold is But is then, her. like, he, like... Robin had like the the, the love fake film lips, over yeah. his lips is like fake lips like it's so dumb. I just, I just love Uma Thurman, but man, it's a it's a bad bad movie. It's probably the worst Batman movie. Of it, all. it is, I would say, and just like the design of this Gotham City, the design of like the villains, like all the crazy neon, like, everything's just glowing up. And yeah. like, where is that anywhere in the world? I, it, it, where is that in the comic books? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty weird. It's just a, a horrible movie, and it was. And the reason why it's so bad is because it was made with the worst intentions possible. Man. Bad stuff. I need to pause the show to tell you all about one of our great sponsors, which is not the worst of all time like this episode, <laughs> Manscaped. The leaders in men's grooming this company, they help keep the lights on for this show. We're very grateful to be partners with them. So please check out their products at manscaped.com using our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped has changed the game for men's grooming. I'm telling you, their lawnmower 4.0. I have two of them, one for my face and one for my, you know, <laughs> other stuff. And it's literally a rocket ship for your personal grooming needs. I recommend getting your hands on one of their performance packages. The 4.0 just came out with the lawnmower 4.0. It has the weed whacker, a bunch of other products, their wipes. We've tried out their boxer briefs, their t-shirts, everything's super comfortable. Their cologne's legit. I'm not even a cologne guy, but I have their cologne. Now it's you legit. are. Yeah, now, now I'm a cologne guy. So join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with their grooming needs use our offer code raiders of the lost at checkout for 20 percent off and free shipping fellas you gotta get on manscaped if you're not on it and if you're not on it yet everyone listening these are the perfect gifts for the men in your life and ladies get yourself something from manscaped too all right next on our list is actually a fairly recent movie cats which came out in 2019 it was directed by todd hooper and uh T cats is about a tribe of cats called the jellicles who must decide yearly which one will ascend to Hevesy Lair, and they come back to uh, New Jellicle life. And obviously this is made based upon the famous um, play, the musical, Cats. And uh, ironically, for such a great director as Todd Hooper... Tom. Tom. Yeah, yeah, you said Tom. I know, Todd. For as great as a director as Tom Hooper has been, he made The King's Speech, he made uh, Les Mis, uh, he made The Danish Girl. Very, very good director. Yeah, lots, lots of awards going yeah. on over there. Yeah, but like this is just such a heavy misfire. It's just phenomenally bad. He's the best director winner. Yeah, he won the Oscar. Yeah, that that's pretty hard to do. Yeah, and that's the re like Tom Hooper is the reason why the cast is so good because people watch this movie and they're like, how did it get this amazing cast? And it's like, well, it's Tom Hooper. And I'm sure when they signed on, they were expecting like, oh, it's gonna look as good as Avatar, right? But they were wrong. Dude, I swear, remember when the trailer came out and I think I told you, I'm like, what the fuck are they thinking? Like, what is going on? Why did the, any studio pass on this idea, uh, approve this idea? Why did anyone think this would make, it made money, it made $73 million on a budget of 98, so it lost money, but like, who thought this was a good idea? 
It would have been better if they just had humans with like cat features or something like that. I think it definitely would have worked better if it was just makeup and yeah. hair. Or like that was it. Or maybe even do some CGI on faces or or something yeah. like that. But like, because the main problem with it is how disturbing the cats look. It's weird. It's so strange because first of all, the CGI rendering it looks like it's twenty years old. It looks like a video game. And on top of that, the the way the cats look is so disturbing. Like they ha- their faces are human. Their faces are so human like, but it's just photo like CGI'd onto this cat body and even the cat bodies are still human looking like the 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 female cats still have like female curves and it's like that doesn't make sense for cats like th- these are animals I thought and it's just all the like the scenes are ridiculous the plot is uh, so hard to follow there are so many characters with crazy names and they're all introduced within like two minutes and you're like wait who is who I have no idea what the <laughs> hell is going on and they're, they're like doing drugs it's super super sexual and, like, Taylor Swift is just, like, singing, and I don't know why she's even there. It's just a ridiculous movie. But the cast is really good, too, which is weird. And Ron Tomatoes gave this 19% critic score and 53% on audience, which I think is just a lot of huge fans of the stars in it. Metacritic 32, IMDb 2.8. Yeah, I think this was just I mean, huge I, swing and a miss. Giant swing and a miss. And the Tom Hooper said, I don't understand why why everyone's so upset about how it looks. And it's like, because it looks horrible. Like, you get a... It's like the same thing with Sonic when everyone's upset about the look of Sonic. Yeah. And then they change it and it, made, it ended up being a great movie. Yeah. But I think Cats is just like, what were you thinking? The first Sonic looked horrible. Yeah, it looked really I don't weird. know who approved that. It was so bad. I don't know why they wouldn't just make it look like Sonic. Remember his teeth? <laughs> didn't even look like him. His teeth were so human looking. It didn't even look like him at all. No, not one bit. Anyways, let's move on to Simon Says... Released in 1999, this stars basketball legend Dennis Rodman as a hip Interpol agent attempting to defeat the deadly plans of a crazed arms dealer. All right, the scores on this are pretty atrocious. So Rotten Tomatoes, it has a zero, but the audience score is 16. That's actually surprising. Uh, The Metacritic score is 16. That's surprising. IMDb user rating has it at a 2.6. This movie had a budget of 10 million. And it grossed $262,000. $262,000. Yeah. Quarter million dollars. And now this is kind of like a cousin to a movie that came up the year before called The Double Team, which Dennis Rodman also starred as a secret agent in. Uh, he, apparently, he just plays secret agents in movies. But he was alongside um, was Jean-Claude Van Damme and Mickey Rourke was a villain. And that movie had a, like a $60 million budget. Also a shit movie. <laughs> but not quite as atrocious to make this list as this one is. This movie's just... Absurd. Like, why is Dennis Rodman a secret agent for Interpol? He's got to be the most conspicuous secret agent yeah. I've ever seen. He's six foot eight. He's got all these tattoos, blonde hair, and facial piercings. And Dane Cook is in this movie. He's like his bud, his homie. And Dane Cook also has like weird facial tattoo. I mean, piercings and tattoos. That's just for one scene. It, oh, is it just, yeah. yeah. Well, still, it looks really weird. Yeah. And they have like those yellow armored motorcycle suits. Yeah. Like, and he's like, Rodman's like fighting crime with a fur coat. Like, what the hell is going on? Sense. What it, is going on in this movie? It, his acting is so bad. It's it's like Shaq seems like Meryl Streep compared to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And there are just like ridiculous scenes. Like, there's a scene where there's a sex scene in this movie with with like a, another Interpol agent, a woman. And but first of all, the way he gets into his into her apartment, he basically sneaks in. So what happens is like he goes to her door and they're arguing. And then um, she, like, turns around to grab something off the floor or something or put something down. And while her, her back is, like, turned to him, he sneaks through the door and into her apartment. And then she closes the door thinking he she's closing it in his face. And then she turns around and it's like, 
oh, you were there the whole time? Like, how did you get here? That is not consent. It's so stupid. And then they then they fight. And as they're fighting, they're ripping each other's clothes off. And then they have a sex scene. And it's lit with strobe lights. And it's just so ridiculous. It's where, where do strobe lights come from? Like, where, yeah, where did they get all these strobe lights from? It's, a, it's so <laughs> dumb. Man, it's a pretty bad movie. And it's just, his acting is horrible. Like, they were capitalizing on his stardom. Because he was so big. I mean, he was dating, like, Madonna and stuff. You know, he was gigantic, and it just did not work out at all. How about we uh, move on to our intermission for this episode? Let's do it. This intermission is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. So we'll do some fun movie quote competitions and other trivia stuff going on with film, and I'll lead the movie quote competition. I have a uh, quote from our fan Josh Chetney. And then I have one for you I came up with. Wow. So this I is know you from, could read. <laughs> this is from Josh. They all did it. But if you want to know who killed Mr. Body, I did. In the hall with the revolver. Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife. Murder mystery. Is it clue? It's gotta be clue. Yeah, it's clue. Yeah, I think it's clue. Yeah. Let me double check. I'll go. No, on. actually it doesn't sound like clue. Oh, I think it's clue. Let me uh Double, yeah, check it out. Let me search it. It's got to be Clue. Like, and no, the, but I, that, that, that's not who the killer is in Clue. No, but he's not sit, No, but still like the in the hall with the revolver. That's got to be Clue. No, but that's not how it goes in the movie, Clue. How's it go in the movie? It's the butler. Oh, it's, it's Clue. Oh, it's Clue. Yeah. Oh. Mr. Green says it. Oh, okay. He, it's not a confession. He's saying they all did it. Okay, I did. So Mr. Green, yeah, gotcha. Got it. Ah, you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, I love that game. It's a good game. It's fun. So I, that the game gives away if you know the game. Anyways, I have one for you that I came up with, and it's uh, got two characters involved. So Whoa, I'll that's run the, a lot of characters. Let me run the dialogue, please. Don't worry, you're not my type. Smart, single. <laughs> um, it's a uh, Casino Royale. Yes, sir. With Vesper yeah. on the train. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. I was trying to figure out which Bond it was. I was like, oh, that's definitely Daniel Craig. Yeah. Ava Green. Oof. What a baddie. Okay, here's mine. You're so money, baby, you don't even know it. <laughs> Hold on, I'll give everyone a moment. Swingers. Yeah. Correct. I love that movie. I love it. All right. Because the trailer for the original Candyman just came out, and it looks really good, actually. Um, when did the original Candyman come out? 1994. 1992. Oh, so almost. Close. Almost. Damn it. Okay. When did the Psycho remake came out? come out? Oh, the one with Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Directed by Gus Van Sant. Was that the 90s? Maybe. No. That was 2001. 98. Oh, I was right. <laughs> In my head. Oh, my God. I actually did all Vince Vaughn questions. That's a weird movie to watch. I don't know if anyone's familiar, but Gus Van Sant made a shot-for-shot shot remake of Psycho starring Vince Vaughn. It's actually good. It's good, but the yeah. thing is, it's like... It was, they, it was, it was it, more of an experiment. He was doing an experiment. Yeah. They didn't have to make it, yeah. but it's it's interesting to Vince watch. Vince Vaughn's good. Yeah, he's a good actor. But I, I like Vince Vaughn. I mean, Gus Van Sant's a great director, so yeah. it's I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just weird to watch. Yeah. All right, what's your pop quiz? In the opening scene of Lady Bird, Lady Bird and her mother are listening to an audiobook. What is the book? Lord of the Flies? No. I don't know. The Grapes of Wrath. Oh! <laughs> By John Steinbeck. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay. I love that scene. That's it's a so, good one. It's so funny. And then she jumps out. 
I mean, Crazy Stupid Love did it first. Just saying. <laughs> Steve Carell did it. All right. So in the remake of Psycho, who plays the character Marion? Bro, all I can see is Vince Vaughn in black and white. She got short hair. Christina Ritchie? No, Anne Hachet. Ah, all right. Uh, sorry, I might have been tough. That, no, that was a tough. I've only seen that once. I saw that a long time ago. I couldn't even. I can't even think of anyone else who's in it. I went with Vince Vaughn trivia today. I, I noticed. All right, so let's do our biggest hater of the week, and I actually have two. Let's hear. So, them. these were actually um, Apple Podcast reviews. Oh shit! <laughs> so this one is is actually kind of funny. Are they one star reviews? No, they're they're three star reviews. Okay. Um. So this one wrote. This person wrote pretty good. In between their voices cracking and misquoting Marvel movies, it's pretty good. <laughs> I couldn't even sip my water. Because, <laughs> you know, that's the tone that they wrote that wrote that with. Does that person only watch Marvel movies? I think they got so personally offended by it. Sorry we misquote stuff, guys. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. But, you know, I hope you There's can. There's a lot of movies out there, and we talk off the top of our heads. So, so I hope the best a, lot, we can. a lot of you bear with us, which we really appreciate. But Also, no one should be really taking Marvel movies that seriously. Yeah, we make mistakes. We're yeah. sorry. You know, we do the best we can. Anyways, you're like making him feel bad now. <laughs> another one was another three star review. This one's great. Was excited to finally find a good film podcast until they mispronounced some names wrong. I mean, oh honestly, God. honestly, if like the worst thing we do is we mispronounce some names wrong, we're doing a pretty good job, I think. It's like some. I mean, especially if you aren't familiar with the name, and sometimes you you're you're seeing it for the first time on paper. It's like. And you have brain farts. You yeah, know? when you when you're talking for an hour and a half straight, it's just yeah. kind of thing. I'd like, like to see you pronounce all the names correctly if you speak for two hours straight. Hey, you know what? It's it's okay. It's a good. It's a critique. You know, we should yeah. take constructive criticism. We should work on our pronunciation. But you know, it's still funny to read. So, but if anyone wants to count all these three star reviews and leave us some five star reviews, that would be super helpful. And five star reviews help us a yeah, lot. They they do help us get seen on the charts. So, I have I have uh, another hater for us. Let's hear it. So this is uh, on TikTok. Tiki talk. S Gory one, Scory one. Uh, after <laughs> I posted a TikTok video about our hundredth episode, and he wrote, "Just finished the episode, and this list is trash. How could you not include Scooby Doo two, Monsters Unleashed, the no- the most dynamic ensemble cast combined, <laughs> with the most ambitious sequel in film history? Unsubscribed." <laughs> <laughs> you have like a slogan now. <laughs> I know people keep saying that now. <laughs> Unsubscribe. And that was an ironic comment. Yeah, he's just being funny. He, he wanted she. he wanted to be on the uh, yeah. or they wanted to be on the uh, yeah. support the, the hater of the week. But you, you made it. It, was, it Dude, made me laugh. You need to make some merch that's like unsubscribe. <laughs> that's like your, it's your thing now. <laughs> Catchphrase. I like how people are catching on to it. It's great. <laughs> I, it always cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> unsubscribe. <laughs> All right, um, trolls. We have <laughs> biggest supporter of the week is a. We have a lot of five star reviews. So everyone who's left this one, thank you so much, and definitely leave more if you haven't yet. We love. I read them all. They make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> he, he spreads honey on his chest while he reads them. I do eat a lot of honey, and so I eat my honey and I read these five star reviews. It's a really good time. <laughs> it's very therapeutic. <laughs> Raw honey only. You got incense burning. So I, I got, <laughs> I got two wonderful five star reviews from great supporters. So Skirts Rock Five, questionable name, <laughs> great movie buff podcast. I found these guys through TikTok and I actually watched them on YouTube. We really appreciate you watching on YouTube, bud. 
but the content is phenomenal, and I am floored they don't have a bigger following. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Skirts Rock 5. Thanks we, so we much. We put a lot of time into this show, and you know we really appreciate that you noticed. Yeah. We're building the audience day by day. Thanks for the five-star review. Really appreciate you. Then Darbs Wagner, finally a good podcast about film. I can't say how much I've enjoyed listening to this podcast. As a film student, all you film students, you better be getting A's if you're listening yeah. to this show. You better be. And you're welcome. <laughs> As a film student, I like to listen to things about film. But until I come a- came across these guys, everything bored me to death. Same. That's why we started the podcast. That's why we started it. If I had money to give their Patreon, I would. Too bad I'm broke. Hey, the five-star uh, review in the comment yeah. is enough for us. Just keep tuning in. Thanks, Darbs Wagner. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much. On this day in f- film history, today's June 5th, The Truman Show was released in nice. 1998. Also, it's Kathleen Kennedy's birthday, and Kathleen Kennedy is an unsung hero in a lot of great films that you've seen, E.T., Jurassic Park. So she's worked worked a lot with Steven Spielberg, and she's the president of Lucasfilm still, I think, today. It's also Mark Wahlberg's birthday. Mackey Mack, did you hear about the bees? (laughs) (laughs) I have a streaming recommendation. I just watched this last night. It's uh, on HBO Max. It's Jon Stewart's latest film, Irresistible. Which stars Steve Carell and Rose Byrne, uh, Chris Cooper. It's a fantastic political comedy where Jon Stewart shows just the ridiculous nature of political campaigns of both political parties. And he did such a great job balancing the comedy with the drama. And his screenplay is really smart. Steve Carell, it's one of my favorite performances of his. He's great because he does his comedy, but in a different way than you yeah. haven't seen before. And the thing is, like, John Stewart brilliantly doesn't pick a side. He's not. It's not like he's bashing Republicans and saying Democrats are the best. He's not bashing Democrats and saying Republicans are right. What he's doing is he's bashing all of them because he's showing the ridiculous nature of how they all lie, they all scheme, they all say whatever they can to get votes and to turn you against the other the other party. And he the whole movie is just so well done. It's super funny. Uh, Rose Byrne is hysterical. I think. If you have HBO Max, watch this movie ASAP. You'll love it. It's so eye-opening, and I think for a lot of people who are maybe new to politics or aren't into it, we don't really do politics at all. We're yeah. very apolitical for the show and everything, so because we just love to focus on film. But it's really eye-opening, and because it's 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 so ridiculous because it's it's like mostly true. Yeah, that's what's so great about it. And, yeah. and he's been in politics for decades, decades. That guy's been doing it. He was he was the Daily Show was one of the best shows around when he was in his prime, and yeah. like that was more factual. It was proven what you see on the news. The Daily Show with John Stewart is more factual than any news network in its prime. And the, the 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 point about him being in politics for so long is because he's seen behind the curtain for so long. He's been in all these situations, and in the movie, you see these situations that he's you you he's seen, and he put it into the script because he wants you to see it. And it's I don't want to give anything away, but it's just crazy what that world is like that nobody knows about. It's like this bubble. Everyone thinks they know, but yeah, they don't. But they don't really know. Only the people inside know what that bubble is like, and it's crazy because they control us. And they make all the decisions yeah. of, the, of the country and yeah. the world, so it's so crazy to see yeah. the, to under, to realize that we know nothing about politics. Yeah. We don't know anything about yeah. it, really. And ultimately, the theme of the movie is how it's sad that, the, that politics are driven by money, all of them. And that's what the whole theme of the movie is. Check it out. I loved it. My streaming recommendation is Monsters, which is on Amazon Prime. Nice. This is directed by Alan Niblo. This is a really cool sci-fi movie, and it kind of blew me away because I remember what the, when we watched it years ago, 
we were just like, hey, this movie looks really cool. The trailer looks awesome. And it just we were just blown away. It was it's fantastic. The CGI is incredible. The director also did the CGI of the monsters in the movie. So it's very hands-on film for him to make. And it's about this uh space probe over Mexico that crashes and these giant aliens start to appear. And people are try, trying to travel through these dangerous infected zones to get back to the United States. And it's a stunning film. He's uh, He did a really great job. And the reason why he was able to do the CGI himself is because the way he filmed it was very practical. Where he would do long takes and long shots. And then the CGI creature would be like in the background and with smoke covering them. So it doesn't. It, he didn't have to make it look perfect and amazing. And he was able to get away with it. Like Neil Blomkamp, very much style of filmmaking, where it's minimalist filmmaking, which makes the CGI easier to pull off. It's fun. If you like sci-fi, it's a great little sci-fi mystery drama. It's really cool. And Scoot McNary yeah. is one of our favorite like underrated actors. He's, yeah. he's the lead in this. So yeah, that's his breakout role. He, he's a great. He's a great actor in my opinion. Opinion. And he mostly has side roles, but you know, it's it's awesome to see him get a ton of screen time in a movie. Yeah. Nice recommendation. Thanks. I appreciate that. All right. That's it for our intermission. Let's get back to the episode. Next up, we have Jaws 4, The Revenge, which came out in 1987. Chief Brody's widow believes that her family is deliberately being targeted by another shark in search of revenge because apparently these sharks are very intelligent now and they can they know where you live, apparently. This movie just makes no sense at all. And first of all, they skipped Jaws 3D. Like, it has nothing to do with that. So it's like a Terminator they kind of They didn't even stick to the lore. So it's a direct <laughs> sequel to Jaws 2. But it's a shark that, like, is wants revenge on people? What the fuck? How does it even find them? What It what? lives in the ocean. What was Universal thinking? How does it track a person How down? How is it thinking that? It's a freaking shark. Doesn't make any sense. This movie made $51 million on a budget of $23 million. Like, who went to that go see profit. this? profit. Wow. It's insane. Ron Tomato score is 0%. 15% audience score, Metacritic 15, IMDb 3. This movie is straight trash. And Michael Caine is in it. The saddest thing about Michael Caine is Michael Caine won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Hannah and Her Sisters. And he was unable to attend the ceremony to accept the award because he was filming Jaws the Revenge. My God. And he, he said it was the, one of the biggest regrets of his life ever by having to make this stupid movie that he just did for money, and he wasn't able to accept the award for the Oscar, his first Oscar. Before we move on to the next movie on our list, I gotta tell you all about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our special promo code Raiders15 to get 15% off your order today. If you're a fan of movies, if you're a fan of television shows, there's no better way to express that love than by decking your place out with a ton of posters. If you're checking out our set on YouTube, which we hope you are, you'll see that it is decked out with these amazing posters. MoviePosters.com has every kind of movie imaginable. Framing, backlighting, all kinds of sizes, they got it. Again, head on over to MoviePosters.com for your poster needs and use our special promo code Raiders15. Again, that's Raiders15 to get 15% off your order today. Next up, we have Jason X, released in 2001. Jason Voorhees returns with a new look, a new machete, and the same murderous attitude as he is awakened on a spaceship, get it, in the 25th freaking century. What's so stupid about this movie is, like, they made it, they tried to make it serious because apparently Jason Voorhees, the mythological thing of him always coming back to dead, they tried to use that scientifically saying, like, he regenerates like Logan. <laughs> the Wolverine, and they—the whole point of this movie is like they're trying to get that 
that scientific technology he has of like being able to regenerate. It's so dumb. I always thought it was like a spiritual thing. And why ruin it like that? And then box office, seventeen million on an eleven million dollar budget. I mean, made some money. People like watching people get killed. But I mean, Voorhees and Jason, it's like a it's a franchise, you know? So it's got those diehard fans. Rotten Tomatoes, nineteen percent, audience scores twenty five percent, Metacritic twenty five. IMDb 4.4. I mean, if you want to watch a terrible, terrible horror movie and you love Jason, I mean, watch it. But it's 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 weird, like, the stuff they try to do with, like, the modern hockey helmet. Like, I thought he was frozen. Yeah. And now he's got, like, new, a new helmet. nanotechnology. Yeah, like, what the hell? And all the astronauts are just dressed like normal people. Like, there's a hippie on the ship. Like, no one's dressed like they're on a spaceship. It's so dumb. But, I mean, if you want to watch people get killed, watch them get killed. But this is just a horrible horror movie. All right, next up we have Catwoman, which came out in 2004. And uh, this is the the Catwoman that Halle Berry starred in. Uh, she's an amazing actor, and I think she was a great choice for Catwoman. But what they did with this movie was just horrible because what they did is they made Catwoman, they gave her superpowers. They gave her cat powers. And th- her name's not even Selena Kyle in the movie. And it's the way she gets cat, cat powers is like a cat, like, yawns in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It gives her superpowers, and then she starts, like, she loves milk, and she likes to sleep on high places, and she has, like, super high jumps, and she can kick people real hard, and it's ridiculous. I didn't realize that was a super skill of cats of kicking people hard. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) It was directed by this person named Potif. Pitoff. Oh, Pitoff, sorry. Get it right. It's (laughs) Pitoff. Who is a French visual effects artist, and this is the first and only movie he's actually made that was actually released, I believe. And it's... I remember we went and saw this in theaters because we loved Harry Barry, obviously, and we like superheroes. So we were like, yeah, let's check out the new Catwoman movie when we were kids. And it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And it was like just like a sad excuse to put Halle Berry in like these skimpy outfits. She's fighting crime in a bra. Yeah. She's literally wearing a leather bra the whole movie. Yeah. What the hell? It just doesn't make any sense. And it- all the progress for women's rights that have come this far in 2000, what, 2004, and they just like reversed it all. And then the the romance with Benjamin Bratt, Benjamin Blatt, whatever his name is, Benjamin Bratt. Bratt? Yeah. It's so cheesy and horrible. And the worst thing is, so Sharon Stone is a villain, and the whole the villain is she owns this this makeup company. And they have a face cream, and the the face cream makes people break out in rashes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't want anyone to find out, and so she's killing anyone who discovers this. Whereas, why don't they just make a new face cream? It doesn't make any sense. That's the villain. And her pants are, like, always torn up. Her her leather pants yeah. are just, like, torn up like she was mauled by a lion. Yeah. And there's one point where Halle Berry just jumps on a random motorcycle and drives off. And it's like, whose motorcycle is that? I don't understand. I don't understand She's either, got the man. whip. Like, why does she have a whip? It's like, I, people, like movies like this is just a ripoff of Daredevil. They yeah. rip off of Spider-Man 1. Like, it starts with a monologue. And the, the, for, the person's a loser. Like Halle Berry is one of the most beautiful women alive, and she's like has no friends and is a total dweeb in this movie. Well, beauty doesn't determine personality. Why don't you stop being so shallow? Well, she's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's, it's a weird movie. It is what it is. How much did it make? Eighty-two, eighty-two million dollars. Yeah, so eighty-two million on a budget of a hundred million. Rotten Tomatoes nine percent. Audience scores eighteen percent. Metacritic twenty-seven. IMDb three point four. This movie had a hundred million dollar budget. That's crazy because it looks horrible. Moving on to In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, 2007. This was released. This stars uh, Jason Statham, but it also has a, a legit cast. Great John, John Rhys Davis, Burt Reynolds, Ray Liotta. Why they're all cast? Ron Perlman. Why, yeah, so why all these people are cast in a movie 
is set in medieval times is beyond me. Like, it's got Ray, that money. Ray Liotta yeah. with swords? Like, that makes no sense. Burt Reynolds with swords? Oh, no. This Ray Liotta is a wizard. Okay, okay. He's what, a wizard. But he's got the Henry Hill haircut. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> he's got the... Because Ray Liotta, I love him, but he can never drop the city accent yeah. in every movie he's ever been he, in. They, he's used well in things like Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. But, like, in this movie, it's directed by Uwe Ball. Who is considered? He's I, I would call him the worst director of all time. He makes so many movies. He's, he but he makes movies because of a tax credit break loophole in Germany that allows his movies, even though they're horrible and make no money, they somehow make a profit in terms of the government making giving them money. That made they made two sequels to this after this movie had a box office of thirteen million and a budget of sixty million. They made two sequels, and this is like Jason Statham like. He's so happy they got him in Fast and Furious. I know. Because that catapulted his career back. Because he was, you're right, he was like tumbling a little yeah, bit Yeah, after the transporter, transporter was done, he did three of those. Then he did this, and it's like, you didn't really see him in much anything. Yeah. And then he became the villain in that Fast and Furious 6, I think, or 5. And after that, now he's a superstar again. Yeah, now he's doing big movies with Guy Ritchie again. Yeah, exactly. And so this movie is an example of like, it. they were, they were trying to do Lord of the Rings, but he's such a bad director. It looked like... <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a 12-year-old made it on their computer. It's so bad. It's, the costume design is horrible. The special effects, like Ray Liotta goes into a, gets gets into a wizard battle. Burt Reynolds is horrible in this. It's just Why are they? They're horribly cast. Yeah, it's so bad. Burt Reynolds plays like an angry king. Yeah, it's this not is, him. Like, they're great actors, but if they're in the wrong role, it just won't work. And they're in the wrong roles. Rotten Tomatoes is 4%. Metacritic is 15 IMDb, 3.5. Again, they made two sequels. Unbelievable. These poor actors. <laughs> Next up, we have The Adventures of Pluto Nash, uh, which came out in 2002. In the future, a man struggles to keep his lunar nightclub out of the hands of the mafia. This stars Eddie Murphy. Uh, this is uh, during Eddie Murphy, one of Eddie Murphy's misses. He made a lot of great movies, but this is, I think, his worst movie by far. Uh, the, the box office is ridiculous. So the budget for this movie was $100 million, and this movie made $2 million box office. That's insane. That's, it's probably the worst performing movie ever and when you count in what the budget was. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, or I believe that we haven't been back to the moon because of this movie. That's how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 4% uh, critic, and then 19% audience score. Metacritic is 12, which is bad. That's bad. That's bad. IMDb is 3.8. And, like, I mean, I love Eddie Murphy, but, like, this is the tail end of his, his career before it's comeback recently. He was basically on autopilot and... Is the ultimate arrogance and hubris of this of these studios to be like, oh, we got Eddie Murphy in space, huge budget, whatever, it'll work. People will come to it's see like it. It's like they asked a six year old for the idea. Or it's it like is. it's like Osimo in South Park. It's it looks like the, so the yeah, costume is Eddie Murphy. Is terrible. Eddie Murphy is on the moon and he has a nightclub. It's ridiculous. It's pretty bad. Yeah, man. the costume's horrible. The the special effects CGI are ridiculous. It's like Movie. You can tell it's on a set. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like it's it's like a horrible version of Total Recall. You know what I mean? It's nothing good about this movie whatsoever. Next up, we have Master of Disguise, released in 2002. An Italian waiter fights off a criminal mastermind with his inherited powers of disguise. This stars Dana Carvey, and I'm just going to say that not all great SNL cast members are meant to be movie stars. And this is a, a perfect example. Like, he was great on SNL. He's great at doing impressions of real people, but like when... He's doing cr characters that he's creating for an entire movie. It just does not work. Yeah, it's not like it's not the same thing as like Will Ferrell yeah. and his characters, and and he's super talented. He's a great impressionist. Yeah, but this movie, it's it, we. I think we saw it when we were kids, 
And it's just so bad, the costume design. His characters that he has impressions of and does impersonations of are... The living... The yeah, Turtle Man? The like, Turtle Man is just... It's so dumb that even kids, when they watch this movie, they're like, this is stupid. I remember seeing it, and I was like, this is, like, bad. And that's rare for a kid. But ironically, it's a very successful movie. This movie... We had a budget of sixteen million, but it grossed forty three million at the box office. I think he can thank, and the studio can thank Mike Myers for that, because I feel like he was he was he was pulling from that same kind of humor that Mike Myers did great with with Austin Powers and in those movies he was coming out with. So I think he was trying to they were trying to suck that, and it worked a little bit. But I mean, I made a profit somehow. But the, the Rotten Tomatoes score is one percent. Metacritic is twelve. And the IMDb user rating is 3.3. And this is just a plain bad movie. The, the acting is horrible. The story is so dumb. The villain is just ridiculous. And I mean, I don't know what anyone was thinking. I think they made this for kids, but I think they kids even just like hated it as Who's well. Who's the demographic? Like yeah. kids like five to eight? Like <laughs> it's not like, it's so dumb. It's and, bad. And once again, another secret agent. Like there's what is it with these movies and secret agents? It's so know. dumb. I don't know. Next up. We have Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star, which came out in 2011. A kid from the Midwest moves to Hollywood in order to in order to follow his parents' footsteps and become a porn star. What's this actor's name? Nick Swardson. Nick Swardson. I mean, he's he, he's bearable as like the funny sidekick in a couple of movies and like Grandma's Boy. Is I like funny. him in Grandma's Boy. Yeah, but he is not a leading actor at all. He he's goofy, but like this movie showed that he's just like kind of weird at, and like you don't want to watch him for two hours well that's his humor like i i've seen his stand-up i think he's a funny stand-up comedian but like his, like we said with carvey just because you're great at stand-up doesn't mean you should be in movies or you should be leading movies like he's good as a sidekick you know grandma's boy serviceable good humor like but your bed's a car like it's he's funny yeah. you know he he pulls it off but like his type of humor it's like this weird like perverted 12-year-old in an adult body. It just yeah, doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. And this movie is just gross. The concept is gross. It's like the, he becomes a porn star by accident, and the, his niche is that he... Can I say that? Say what? Come? Well, you said it. <laughs> say, seem, say ejaculation. The, and the, his niche is that he ejaculates right away when he sees a naked girl. And so there's all these scenes where they're filming him doing this, and... He literally gets it everywhere, all over the place, and he, like, shrieks when he does it, and it's just, like, gross, and it's disgusting, and it's not funny, and I, I, I don't know who thought it would be a good idea. I think they were, like, trying to tap into the American Pie audience, but American Pie is just is a funny movie, but this is just, like, disturbing and just kind of sad that the actors are even in it. Yeah, I mean, Christina Ritchie's in it, and Don Johnson's so, like, Yeah, Don Johnson's in it. He plays actors. the porn director. Legit actors. I, I don't know if he was going for, like, oh, is this going to be, like, Boogie Nights is what they were thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Rotten Tomatoes, 3% critic, 25% audience, Metacritic, 9, which is, that's single-digit Metacritic. Might be the lowest. Is really, no, there's, like, on this list, maybe, but there are some with lower than that. IMDb, 3.2. Shockingly unfunny. Next up, we have Gigli. 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 It's a silent G. Gigli. Oh, yeah, it's Italian. Gigli. Uh, Larry Gigli is assigned as a crime boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. That's all we got. That's literally the only sell point of this movie, <laughs> which is how it made $7 million on a budget of $54 million. And ironically, there's no chemistry between them in this movie, despite <laughs> afterwards creating a relationship together. Yeah, they, they got married, yeah. yeah. No, they got engaged. Never oh, married. Oh, they got engaged. Yeah, he oh. never. Put, he reads all the, the magazines I don't. 
<laughs> no, I just you're like not true. Everybody knows that he never he, he put the ring on Jennifer. Okay, okay. Now they're divorced, but now but now they're back, which is great. This movie, the writing is probably the worst written. It could be the, the worst written movie. It's so bad. The trailer is terrible just, too. The dialogue is ridiculous. It's like it's like a kid wrote it again. It's like okay, a kid have this kid write this romance between this guy and this uh, and this gay woman and see what happens. And they're involved with crime and stuff. That's it. He's like so he's like a mobster, but he's a softy at heart. Yeah. But he tries to act tough. Then he has to babysit this woman played by Jennifer Lopez, who's like being sought after by bad people and yeah. like. They sleep in the same bed for a while, and then it's just so bad. There's this monologue where she talks to him about vaginas, and it's, like, so cringe. It's so dumb. It's like, I don't understand how they even spoke these words without, like, thinking, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life right now? It's insane. It's pretty bad. Okay, this one is, too. Next up, we have Son of the Mask, which came out in 2005. And this is the, the sequel of The Mask with Jim Carrey, and this time it's Jamie Kennedy. Coming off of Malibu's Most Wanted, which is a very funny movie, but I think this is the movie that killed his career for sure, 100%. This is a career killer for him. He plays a cartoonist, and his kid and dog stumble upon the mask, and you know they start creating mayhem. 6% Rotten Tomatoes score with uh, audience score of 16%, Metacritic 20, IMDb a terrible 2.2. It made money, kind of. It made $59 million somehow on a budget of 84 but... Again, this is the the power of star power from a great original film, and then you have a sequel, and no matter who's in the sequel, people are still going to go see it. Yeah, and that's what they're banking on. I'm sure you know Speed Two, Cruise Control, 160 million people, 160 million dollar box office. This movie, 59 million dollar box office. That's the power of Jim Carrey right there. But this movie is so freaking bad. The 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 story, the plot, the scenes with him and his kid, and. The CGI looks garbage. For eighty four million, it looks so bad. The CGI in the first mask, which was made ten years earlier, looks leaps and bounds better than the CGI in this movie. It's it's absurd. I don't know how like the, this is what happens in like the the studios just like want like let's turn out a sequel to this and here's like a shit director because no one who's worth anything is actually gonna make this movie so we just need to get somebody who doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> and then just surround them with like crew people and see what happens and that's all this movie is. It's just shit. Well, as we keep going, you're getting meaner and meaner. <laughs> you can tell how upset you're getting about it. <laughs> Taking all this personally. <laughs> it's bad the Mask movies. is a great movie. <laughs> the Mask is a classic. Yeah. That was that year where he had three hits. 94? He was like a... It's like only pop stars do that. Yeah. Like he did it as an actor with movies. <laughs> he was Drake as an actor. Insane. Yeah. Next up, we have... A movie that I was personally offended by, yeah. Dragon Ball Evolution. In this movie, it came out in 2008, um, and it stars two white people <laughs> in a Dragon Ball Z movie, Dragon Ball movie, which the manja we loved growing up. We loved the cartoon, so we were a huge Dragon Ball Z we fans. We watched it every day after school. It's not white people. It's Japanese people in that movie, in the show. So, And then they have two white people. But it was disturbing, the whitewashing of this movie, where they, they made Chatwin and Emmy Rossum like, look Asian. Yeah, they made with the, the makeup and the, the hair. In the, in the style and everything. Yeah. It just looks so weird. And then you have, they're surrounded by Japanese actors. And James Wong made this movie. And it was produced by the guy who did Kung Fu Hustle. So I don't know how this movie turned out the way it did. The thing, well, Kung Fu Hustle, that director, he, and he acts in the movies too, uh, it's a very particular kind of humor. And it's it, good, yeah. But, like, in they threw humor into this movie, but it's just nothing worked. And Piccolo was a horrible villain. And, uh, Piccolo was a great villain before he became a friend of everyone in the show, but 
this I think this movie we put on the list because it was such an utter disappointment. Being such big fans of the show, how much, how many great storylines they have, how many great characters they have. There's a, just a wealth of story to draw from that show, and they came up with this crap story, a horrible origin story. Everything about it is bad, and I know that they they probably had good intentions, but I think that the story, they, the story is the most important thing in a movie, and they just didn't give a, a shit about anything. They were just like, let's have special effects there and special effects there, and and everything about it. Like it, Goku didn't go through any transformation. He just like. Oh, it's, now I can do Kamea Kamea. And it's like, it's so dumb. And Piccolo as the villain was just horrible. He's always in his ship, like, on these monologues with his with the, <laughs> the lady he's working with. It's like, what the hell is going on with this movie? It's pretty bad. And Rotten Tomatoes, uh, critic score is 15%. Audience is 20%. Metacritic is 45, which is wild to me. Man. IMDb, 2.5, which I think is more telling. Box office, it made money. Made $55 million on a budget of $30 million. And just... Again, huge disappointment. It, like, spat in the face of Dragon Ball this and Dragon Ball Z. could have been an amazing franchise. Could have been. Should have been. Yeah. All right, next up, we, we had to throw one Adam Sandler movie in this. Had we to. had to. So we have Jack and Jill, which is uh, the movie in which Adam Sandler plays twins, a boy and a girl, uh, a man and a woman. And it's just... Adam Sandler, I love him to death, but some of his movies, I don't know what they were thinking. And this is one of those movies where... I'm sure they thought it was a good idea when they were talking about it. When when they're executing it and, and Adam Sandler is wearing the wig and wearing dresses, it's just cringy bad. Yeah, and the thing I hate about this movie, since we're identical twins, is it makes no sense scientifically. Fraternal twins are not like identical twins. They don't have like the same everything like we do. Like we have the same – we look the same and we have the same mannerisms and things we don't even notice or people other people pick up on. Like, that's not fraternal twins. Even if you're fraternal twins that are brothers, or even if you're fraternal twins that are sisters, but, like, I hate, I hated the concept where they're, like, identical in every way, even yeah. though they're fraternal. It I does, hated it. Fraternal twins are just siblings that were born, they were born together. Yeah, fraternal twins, you can either be brothers, sisters, yeah. or brother and sister. So it doesn't make any sense that they're identical at all. And then the whole storyline of, like, Al Pacino being obsessed with one of them. He raps in this movie, it's too. absurd. I don't know how much he paid Al Pacino. I hope he got $20 million for this because he earned it. Man, Al Pacino rapping is weird. It's just it's just a nothing good about it. And I, I love Adam Sandler, but I think this is like Netflix saved Adam Sandler because he was making these movies, and this was the beginning of the big decline of Adam Sandler's career. But this made $149 million yeah. on a budget of $79 million. Ron Tomatoes, 3%. That's a lot for a comedy. For a critic score. For a comedy to make $150 million. That's insane. Huge. Power yeah. of Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah. 36, audience score. Metacritic, 45, somehow. IMDb, 3.3. Then we have Biodome. Biodome, <laughs> which was released in 1996. Uh, this stars Pauly Shore. I don't know how Pauly Shore was like. He had like a couple years in the '90s yeah. where like he was like the a top comedian. Yeah, and I think one of our brothers actually was a fan of Pauly Shore. Jamie loved it. Yeah, and we we yeah. watched this with them, and it stars these like these moronic buddies who like get locked inside this biodome because they like get dumped by their girlfriends and they're in like the middle of the desert and they have to go to the bathroom so they get stuck inside this biodome because it can't open up right. Yeah, and so they have to stay they have in to there for there. an entire year. It's a terrible. And he, Paulie Shore, got the Razzie for worst male lead, which he almost, which he tied with Tom Arnold for. And this is just Paulie Shore is just being Paulie Shore in this movie. You know what I mean? There's nothing to it at all. And the concept doesn't make any sense. Like, how is it open? And how do they even get in? And like, and like, it's just, it's a dumb concept. It's stupid. Nothing about <laughs> it. It's ridiculous. And it's not. The thing is, is 
like they were going with the stoner comedy stuff, but like nothing about it was funny at all yeah. whatsoever. I think they're trying to like half baked was super successful. And yeah, like, let's let's try to keep going in that direction. It's hard to watch comedy when it's not funny. Yeah, it's it, just it's, awkward. It's, it's really it bad. just gets really awkward. Rotten Tomatoes critic score four percent, audience fifty one. Meta score one. Wow, the lowest. IMDb four point four. Box office of fifteen million on a budget of thirteen million. Keep in mind with Metacritic, it's one out of a hundred, and it got a one. One person. <laughs> no, no, just one a rating of one. Everyone else gave it a zero. <laughs> Crazy. All right, next up we have The Spirit, which came out in 2008. Rookie cop Denny Colt returns from the beyond as The Spirit, a hero whose mission is to fight against the bad forces in Central City. Now, this was made by Frank Miller. Yeah. And they're coming off the back of Sin City, which is a great movie. But Robert Rodriguez made Sin City. He's a great director. Frank Miller, we found out, is not a director. You know what I mean? This movie tried to duplicate what Sin City did, but all in all, it's just a, sh- a bad movie. Like, characters are weird. Everything about it doesn't make any sense. The tone is weird. It gets very misogynistic. Um, it, Sam Jackson as the villain octopus, it's a, a ridiculous character, and I know he gave it his all, it seems like, but nothing about this movie works. And the spirit himself, is the most uninteresting superhero I've ever seen in my life. Who's the actor? Can anyone name him? I don't know. Gab- Gabriel Matt, whoever that is. I don't know. No idea. That's the lead actor of this movie. And I think Frank Miller co-directed Sin City with Robert Rodriguez. Or or was it like a some sort of... I think maybe co-directed, yeah. But maybe. like, you know Robert Rodriguez directed that movie. Robert Rodriguez is a great director. Yeah, yeah. like there's like, a reason why Sin City is awesome. That's yeah. a cool movie. Yeah. And yeah, he's trying to piggyback on that success... Visuals like aren't horrible, but like the characters are so bad and uninteresting. And Frank's good with the visuals, but when it comes to these soulless characters, nah. And that's this is an example of since Sin City was so great and everyone loved it, that's why it had all these amazing actors in it. Like it's got Ava Mendez as Scarlett Johansson, Sarah Paulson, Sarah Paulson, Sam Jackson was has more screen time than anyone so we put a lot into this and it's because Sin City was so good but this movie's just weird man I mean Ava Mendez like photocopies her butt on on a photocopy machine it make, it doesn't make any sense like why is this guy this villain in this cool office like his cool den but he has a photocopier right there in the middle of the floor it doesn't make any sense and then the the the, the effects they look okay but they're not as good as Sin City and the way the spirit runs around, he like he can like run on telephone cords and the wires across the city, and it's like that. There's no way that's possible. I mean, it's so I ridiculous. Mean, there's, there's a lot of things in Sin City are like not possible too, but still, it just yeah, it doesn't work. Is, yeah. he, is he like a squirrel? <laughs> but again, n- no one even knows that guy's name anymore. Yeah, and it, the dialogue's terrible. Story's bad, and I mean, I, Frank Miller, he's a gr- he's a very creative guy, but making movies is not his thing. Hold on, I need to I need to refill my water bottle. Refill it, man. Moving on to Mortal Kombat Annihilation, released in 1997. A group of martial arts warriors have only six days to save the Earth from an extraterrestrial, ex, from an extra-dimensional invasion. This movie, it's it's so freaking bad. Low-budget special effects look terrible. Just mindless fight scenes. I think this movie also has the worst movie line of all time. And so it's the character Katana says, Mother, you're alive. Then her mother responds, too bad, you will die. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. This movie's atrocious. And we were so upset because we loved the first one as kids. And this one, it's like got a whole new cast except for the main guy, Lu Chang. Lu Kang. 
Kang. One of those. Kang. Yeah, Liu Kang, same actor. But otherwise, they cast everyone, and it's like the special effects are so bad. It looks like a like a History Channel in the 2000s, like yeah. a dinosaur <laughs> special effects CGI. Like the reenactment yeah, stuff, Yeah, exactly. Too, yeah. There's, like there's at the end, those two giant monsters are fighting, and it looks like a cartoon in re- live action. It's ridiculously bad. And the fights are horrible. Uh, and it, just everything about it, like I think that they just didn't want to do story at all and just do fight after fight after fight. Yeah, the first one worked because it's like the perfect blend of cheesiness, badness, but also like it worked. But this this movie's just straight bad. It's just everything about it is terrible. And box office fifty one million dollars on a budget of thirty million, so made money. Rotten Tomatoes two percent critic score, and then audience score is twenty five. Metacritic eleven. IMDb. 3.7. And I think this was a first-time director as well, and it shows. I mean, this is a atrocious movie, and that's why they didn't make <laughs> Mortal Kombat until recently. The video game effects and graphics look better. Than they the movie. do. They, they do look they better. Do. They yeah. Do. All right, next up, <laughs> we have another video game movie. There's a bunch on this list. We have Super Mario Brothers, which came out in 1993. And we, you all know Super Mario, but the story for this is two, they're two Brooklyn plumbers, Mario and Luigi, must travel to another dimension to rescue a princess from the evil dictator King Koopa and stop him from taking over the world. It's just the mo- like the concept of them just being regular Brooklyn plum- plumbers is so stupid. And uh, it's got a great cast. Bob Hoskins plays Mario. You've seen him in a ton of stuff. John Leguizamo is Luigi. Amazing actor. And then we get Dennis Hopper as Koopa. It's a great cast, but, like, I don't know what happened. It's so bad. For me, the visuals are just so weird. Like, they yeah. really, really don't work for me, and they're, like, creepy and gross at times. And, like, the the the, the Goopas the are Goopas really weird with looking. the giant bodies and the small heads. And then I think, like, the only thing I like about the movie is is Yoshi, is the, the little dinosaurs. Yeah. It's cute. Um, but, like, this movie, it just – I remember I was just, like, such – I was so disturbed the first time I saw it. And, like, I – I thought it was so weird. And the the worst thing about it, by far, has got to be Koopa. Because it's just Dennis Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Koopa's a dragon. <laughs> and I know he transforms into, like, a, a Koopa at the end. But, like, for an hour and a half, it's just, just Dennis Hopper, the actor, is Koopa. Are you kidding me? The biggest villain, big bad in, in Super Mario. Bowser, man. Come on. It's Give like, me something cool. It's, like, ridiculous. Come on. It, it could have been... It, Somehow it's 28% on Rotten Tomatoes for a critic score, 29% audience score, Metacritic 35, IMDb 4.1, box office was 20 million on a budget of 48 million. The only, th- this is a certain s- situation where the only way Super Mario would actually work as a movie is if it's animated. You can't make a live action yeah, of this movie, yeah, of this concept. I think you're right. I don't think you really, I don't think you can. It's just such, the video game itself is, you can't describe what it is. Because what would it be about, exactly. really? That's I mean, why they came up with this ridiculous story. It has to be animated. I guess you could say that the entire overall story arc of the film is like a level, or like some of the, like the first move, the first game. I guess. Getting, I don't know, man. It's just, it doesn't work yeah, for me. No. Next up, we have movie 43. Which was released in 2013. It's a series of interconnected short films follows a washed up producer as he pitches insane storylines featuring some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And this movie is hot garbage. I don't understand how it got this cast. It's got amazing actors in this movie. Cheddar Cheese, hey, you want you want $200,000 for a day's work? I guess, yeah, I guess if you consider that they were shooting for such a short period of time, then they would take a paycheck for that. But it's not like it was at that much money and... Some of these actors are pretty wealthy already. I mean, hey, you know how much insurance on a Ferrari costs, player? <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> got bills I mean, to did pay. Did Kate Winslet really need the money? I don't know. How much insurance on her Ferrari costs? <laughs> <laughs> but everything, every not one of these shorts is good. And it, I know it's hard to make a short film. It's difficult to tell a great story in a few minutes. But these are all just plain bad. There's not. It's not like one of them is great and it had like the best actors in it. Like there are great actors in like the dumbest short films I've ever seen in this movie. It's yeah, absurd. Not one of them is good. They're like pretty offensive sometimes. And again, these sketch movies, like there's a few of them. Like it's, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Why the stars are in them. Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 4% critic score, 24% audience score. Metacritic is a low at 18. IMDb 4.3. People went and saw it, though. That's the power of stars. Yeah. $32 million box office on $6 million budget. So people went, and I, I'm sure they regret it completely. The only movie that works like this format, I think, is VHS. Yeah, the, the horror, horror movie. Uh, the yeah. horror anthology yeah. movies. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. This is just horrible. All right, next up we have Half Past Dead. No, you got to say it cooler. Half Past Dead. There you go. So this is uh, peak Steven Seagal. <laughs> peak? I would say it's like over the peak. No, no, this is <laughs> creme de la creme of Steven Seagal. It's Steven Seagal in a, in a do-rag, bro. Seagal? Or is it Seagal or Seagal? Steven Seagal. Seagal. So it's Steven Seagal. <laughs> Here's the pitch. So Steven Seagal wears a do-rag in prison and Ja Rule co-stars. If Ja Rule's in your movie, it's it's terrible movie. Uh, why is Steven Seagal in a do-rag, first of all? It's so, it's so weird to me. <laughs> but, but at this point in his career, he's, he, big too. he's getting chubs. Yeah, he's, he's, getting big. Pretty, yeah. he's getting two chubs to be an action movie star. He's not star. looking very lethal in this movie. He, he, looks like, <laughs> he looks like fat Elvis doing karate. <laughs> Like those old videos, it's like there's no way he's actually doing karate. <laughs> but it it might it's one of those movies where it's like an unintentional comedy because yeah. it's that bad. I think they were stealing like a lot from Face Off with the high tech prison. Yeah. In terms of like the concept of that, because it felt like Face Off has that high tech prison with like the necklaces and stuff. And I think they were just trying to live off that the the success of that movie. And Steve Seagal, he's never been a good actor. You keep saying Seagal. What is it? Seagal. What I said, Steven Seagal. You, you, you keep saying Seagal like a seagull. There's no you. Steven Seagal. Seagal. <laughs> Steven Seagal. Thank you. Wow, sorry. You're like... We got Steven Seagal's greatest fan. <laughs> that was on purpose. Dude, there's no way not everyone listening is like, why does he keep saying seagull? <laughs> I keep saying Steven Seagal. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. Rollerball, which came out in 2002. And this is a remake of a movie that I think was made in the 70s. Yeah. And John McTiernan, McTiernan made this movie. And we're a huge fan of his, but this was a huge miss. Because he, he made Predator and a lot of those Schwarzenegger and those action Die, movies. Yeah. Die Hard. Uh, Die Hard, yeah. And um, Chris Klein stars as the lead in this. You recognize him from American Pie. And this guy is just the tapioca, tapioca pudding of a lead star. Like, Great nothing, metaphor. Nothing going on. <laughs> 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 like the concept of it is, is is ridiculous. Like this, it's like only a few years in the future, and like this rollerball sport is like the biggest attraction, and it's like conspiracy theorists the, conspiracies going on, and they're trying to get assassinated. But it it's a mess of a movie. The plot is so complex. They made it so complicated. It, they didn't have to. It it, it could have worked if it just kept it gritty. And simple. Yeah, because they're trying to quit, but then the owner or promoter is going to kill them to make them stay. Yeah, he doesn't want to lose money or something. It's, it's wild. And Chris Klein, he's not a good actor at all. <laughs> he's, he's really bad. He's fine as that guy in, in American Pie, but then you realize, oh, that's how he really is in everything. <laughs> and you're like, oh, he can't lead an action movie. Poor and guy. Like, 
LL Cool J. I love the guy, but come on. Deep Blue Sea works. That's about it. <laughs> With the parrot. Yeah. I like him in Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> it's just uh it's just a bad movie. CGI is bad. The the but the, the story is just horrible. It's so bad. Yeah. Ron Tomatoes three percent, fourteen percent audience score, Metacritic fourteen, IMDB three point one, box office twenty five million with a budget of seventy million dollars. That's a huge bomb. It's a big loss. A lot of money. Alright, next up we got Epic Movie, which came out in two thousand and seven. And this is it's a spoof on very popular movies that came out the year before. Um, the Da Vinci Code, Chronicles of Narnia, and a ton of other movies and TV shows from the, the years before. And the thing is, scary movie. Those movie I love scary movies, especially Scary Movie Three. Scary Movie Two is really good. Yeah, too. Scary Movie. They're the all good. The Wayne's Brothers do a great job, and these guys they try to do the same thing, but they did not. They don't have an ounce of the talent that the Wayne's Brothers have. And it shows. It's just this. This movie is just bad. It's yeah. horrible. But what it did have was a trailer that sold it. Yeah. Because this movie made eighty-seven million at the box Whoa. office on a budget of twenty million. Rotten Tomatoes two percent, twenty-nine percent audience. Metacritic seventeen. IMDb two point four. So I think without the trailer, obviously no one would have seen this movie. But like, you you can't say that it's not a trailer that isn't probably exactly like the scary movie trailers. Yeah. You know, it, people saw that and were thinking probably oh it's the same people that even made that I bet. Yeah, and it looks just like it. it's like oh this will probably be just as funny or as good as scary movie, scary movie too. And the thing is, I think they sold sold this as saying one of the producers of scary movie. I think it's probably like a, this the guy who is like a PA in the writing room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this it's just bad. I mean, I know it's a spoof movie, but it's not funny at all. And I now I know why they made so many of them. They made like four of them because the first one made so much money. Hey man, sixty-seven million dollars profit. Eighty-seven. Well, I mean, oh, the profit, yeah. you know, minus other expenses. That's a lot of money. That's some cheddar cheese. But don't watch it, guys. <laughs> Next up, we have "Look Who's Talking Now," which was released in nineteen ninety-three, and we actually, our mom loved the first one, yeah. the "Look Who's Talking," and it's about like um, John Travolta and his wife get pregnant and then the baby starts to talk and it's actually, you know, it works. It's good for, but it talks to the audience. Yeah. It talks to the audience, but it works for like kids. It worked for me when I was a kid watching it. And Bruce then, Willis did the voice. Yeah. And, um, but this one, it's like the third film in this franchise and now the dogs talk. <laughs> <laughs> like Danny DeVito voices one of the dogs and it's just Diane like, Keaton does the other. What the hell is going on? Like who thought this would be a good idea? And this is proof. Look Who's Talking Now, released in 1993, is proof that John Travolta's career was dead and then was reignited with Pulp Fiction in 1994. He had to fight for Travolta. The, the studio didn't want him because his career was so down. This is the kind of movies that Travolta was making, so Quentin Tarantino saved that man's life and career. I'm sure he was getting paid, but like he was in a bunch of bad movies in a row. And it's not like the first... Look Who's Talking was a good movie, like a great movie. It's not. It was, it was, it was fine. Yeah, it's it was a cute movie. Yeah. We watched it when we were kids and we liked it, but like, it's not like it's a great movie that needed sequels. Yeah, our mom loved it because she loves Travolta. Yeah. She'll watch anything with him in it. Yeah. That's the thing. Him and Denzel. Yeah. But this movie is just, and it's a holiday movie too, so they were trying to capitalize on that. <laughs> Nothing about it works. It's just bad. Rotten Tomatoes, zero, zero percent, 29 percent uh, audience score. Metacritic, they didn't have a number or review for it. And then IMDb is 4.4. Box office was 10 million. With a budget of $22 million. I don't know who they made this movie for. Because it, it, it looks like a kid's movie, but it's got some really bad vulgar humor in it. And I think it's made super for, like, sexual. I think it's made for parents. I guess, but I mean, it looks like a shit movie for adults to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our final movie. 
Freddy Got Fingered, which came out in 2001. An unemployed cartoonist played by Tom Green moves back in with his parents and younger brother, Freddy. Oh, on. I said that wrong. He, Tom Green plays Freddy. Wait, does he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's... Wait, yeah, yeah. When his parents demand he leaves... Does he, he play he, Freddy? Yeah. He begins to spread rumors that his father is sexually abusing Freddy. No, no. He's... Oh, okay. I got it right. So I was right. Yeah. So he, yeah, he says that Freddy got yeah, fingered by yeah. the dad. This movie... Tom Green... He had some good moments, but this is just a weird movie. It's so I think this is the weirdest movie ever made. He's he's probably the weirdest comedian that's ever gotten like the yeah. fame that he he's had. A strange guy. Somehow they gave him a budget of fourteen million dollars, and he made fourteen million dollars with it. So like the box office was the same as the budget, but I'm sure they lost money on it at the end of the day. Um, it want this movie wants to shock you, which is his kind of humor, but I think that for the most part, it's way too over the top. That's that's his comedic style though, but it, it doesn't work for me. I thought this movie was way too weird. The trailer was probably funnier than the movie though. Yeah. The trailer was I remember funny. It's just gross and it's kind of just disturbing to watch, and it's uh, it's an uncomfortable movie. You know, it makes you feel uncomfortable, and that's like the last thing you want in a movie is to feel discomfort. Like I don't want to keep watching. this. Well, in a comedy, yeah, especially. So I think it's it's not just that it was bad; it just like made you feel bad about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Twentieth Century Fox. We all deserve an apology. So what the hell were you thinking? Yeah, I, I, we watched this when we were young too, but it has a fifty percent, fifty-seven percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which so, is wild. So people who watched it, more than half it's of them one, liked it's it. It's one of those weird cult movies that you know has yeah. an audience somewhere. It's just got this the strangest humor you can think of. Yeah, it just doesn't work for me. It works for some people, but I'm I'm good on Freddy Got Fingered. I think it's a really bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and that wraps our. Worst movies of all time. Hopefully you don't think we were too mean. We were just having some fun, having a good time. We we respect all filmmakers and anyone who works on film and, and editing and everything that goes into it. So sorry for bashing anyone who's I, I doubt anyone who's worked on yeah, these I movies. Think everyone, this. Yeah, I think everyone enjoyed it. But this you know, episode. some I'm sure people like some of these movies. Um so sorry if you are upset about that. But I'm not you know, sorry. we're just having fun. <laughs> He's not sorry. But thanks for tuning in to our Worst Movies of All Time episode. Make sure to go to RaidersOfLostPodcast.com. Become a patron today at Patreon.com slash Podcast. Get your merch if you want. Follow us on all social media platforms. Follow, subscribe, wherever you're watching, listening. Hit the like button. Like buttons yeah. help a lot. Comments. Five-star reviews are super helpful, so thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.